Thank you very much, Reverend Landsman. Thank you, Reverend Bernstein. Thank you, everyone, for coming out uh, this Sunday morning, cold Sunday morning. So it's a big tribute to the parents that came and, uh, of course, the children. The topic uh, that I chose for this morning's speech is every breath we take. Let me just preface it by telling a personal story. Um, About a year ago, I was having very bad um, stomach cramps. And uh, I went to my doctor. Long story short, I was diagnosed as needing hernia surgery. And I went to uh, New York City, to Manhattan, to a, a good surgeon. And at the end of the surgery, I wanted to go home. My wife came and picked me up from the hospital. And on the way home, I just simply was not able to breathe. But I didn't want to make a big deal. I didn't want to you know, get Hatzalah involved. And I just basically kept on pushing for it, even though like, my shortness of breath was really extreme. And we got home, and I tried to like, make the best of it. And I told my wife, listen, we have to call Hatzalah because I can't breathe. I literally have like the, this amount of breath in me. And Hatzalah came and they took my vitals and they took me in an ambulance. And on the way to the hospital, I literally thought that this was it. I was saying, I was like, I thought it was over. In the end, it was something that comes naturally to people after surgery. They sort of pump your, your, insides with air in order to get space to do their surgery. So I didn't realize that. Nobody told me that. But eventually it goes away. But I literally had such pains in my breathing that it it was scary. And from that moment on, I decided that I should have more of an appreciation for the most basic human function, and that is breathing. It's something that we do as we're speaking, as I'm speaking, as you're listening, you're breathing, but you have no idea that you're breathing. You have no cognizance because it's, it's just something that comes naturally. Until, until it doesn't come so naturally and then you really, really want it. You need that breath. Does anyone know, and I'm going to give out a couple of, of sarum that I wrote, and... Um, in previous years, I think I gave out to some of the boys and girls that are here. Does anyone know how the very last Pasuk in Sefer Tehillim reads? The very last Pasuk in the whole, in Davin Amel, Sefer Tehillim, what does the Pasuk say? <laughs> Okay. So, it's the pasuk that we end Sukkot de Zimmer with every morning and we repeat it. And what does it mean? David Amalek is saying, every soul, the literal translation is every soul, will give praise, will give halal to you. Hallelujah. But, the Chachamim, the sages, they understood this Pasuk a little bit differently. Instead of saying, Kol HaNeshama, every soul, they say, Kol HaNeshima, 
What does neshima mean? I'm not picking on you anymore. Breath. Very good. I'm, we'll get to you again. Okay, with the kids, we have to spread it out a little bit. I still have more time. Um, every breath that a person takes, hallow call. You have to give hallow. Every breath that we take, we owe a hallow to. Now, that might be just poetic, you know, that's just the way that you speak, that, okay, we're going to give hallow to Hashem for every breath we take. But there was a great rabbi, his name was Rabbi Avram Grzynski. Anyone ever hear of him? I don't know. You really heard of him? You heard of him? Okay. You don't get a book for that, but do you know any specifics about him? Okay. Let me give you a little bit of specifics about Avram Grzynski. Avram Grzynski was the mashkiach in the famous Slavatka Yeshiva. So Slavatka was one of these yeshivas that produced the greatest leaders of Pali Yisrael. For example, uh, Rav Aaron Kotler went to Slavatka. He learned there as a, as a student. Rav Yitzchak Kutner, um, Rav David Leibowitz, who was the founder of the Chavitz Chaim Yeshiva that we have in our neighborhood. Uh, the list goes, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, pretty much every gadol that we had in the last hundred years, the main leaders of Klai Yisrael, comes from this little base matter called Slavatka. And the mashkiach of that yeshiva, his name was Rav Avram Grzynski. I'll tell you a quick story about him. He was a he had a beautiful face. He was a very handsome man. But he had a pronounced limp. He had a limp. He walked around and he, he something happened with his leg maybe as a young boy and, and he was never able to walk in a regular way. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky's wife's sister was proposed a shidduch, that she should go out with him, with this young Avram Grzynski. He was a brilliant young man, very fine person, great midos, everything that you could, a girl could want. And she looked into it, and she decided, thank you, but no thank you. I'm going to pass on this shidduch. Why? Because he has this limb. And she turned down the shidduch. That day that she turned down the shidduch, she, her mother asked her if she can go down to the basement to bring something up, and she went down, and as she was walking down those stairs, she tripped, and she broke her leg. And she didn't need to go to a great mikubal to realize that the reason why she broke her leg was because she turned down this wonderful shidduch because he had a limp. And uh, so she changed her mind, and she ended up marrying him, and it was a good move because he became one of the great leading gedalim of his time. Unfortunately, he was killed by the Nazis, um, and uh, Rabbi Yankov Kamenetsky said that when he died, the Musser movement died with him. That's how great a man he was, how great a leader he was. So let me tell you, now that I gave you a little bit of a historical biographical biographical background about about Ram Grzynski. Let me tell you what he said about this Pasuk that we just said, that he said it's that it's every breath we take. He says that every single time we take a full breath, and we take it for granted, we owe Hashem a halal. Meaning that we have to Sing hollow, and he says not a half a hollow like we do. When do we sing half a hollow? Anyone know? 
Beshredesh, what else? Chomayed, what? Chomayed Pesach, very good. What? Should I rip the book in half like it was Um So Chomayed Pesach and Reshredesh, that's when we say half a halal. But we don't say, we don't owe Hashem a half a halal, we used to say. We owe Hashem a halal. Shalom, a complete hollow for every breath we take. What's the problem with that, though? We can't, right? It takes a while to say hollow shalom. We can't say hollow shalom for every breath we take. So he says that we owe Hashem so many hollows for every breath we take. We're, we're always like a Baal We always owe Hashem so much. And we can never properly really repay Hashem for all of the breaths that we take. Does anyone know, without using Google, I use Google, but that's why I have the books and you don't. Um, does anyone know how many breaths the average person takes per day? Yes. How many? 20,000. Okay, well, we're gonna, whoever gets the closest, I don't want to go around there, I'm going to pick five people, whoever gets the closest number gets a book. Not you. Okay, so 14,000, you said 20,000. What? Right, 14,000. 30,000, that's a good guess. 19,000. How much? 60, 60,000. Yeah. 22, 24. Very good, you're all very close. What? 16,000. Okay, the right answer. Is seventeen thousand two hundred and eighty. Who got closest? Well, got That's not close. You said sixteen. You said twenty. I said he said sixteen. Who said sixteen? You, you, I think I think you won. Okay, so seventeen thousand eight. What is it? Seventeen thousand two hundred and eighty breaths. We owe Hashem 17,280 howl shalims. It's a lot of howls, right? We can't do that, but we should want to do it. And you might not appreciate that wanting until, chas v'shalom, you can't breathe. And then you really, like, when you can finally breathe, then you realize that I really owe Hashem so much on every single breath that we take, every single day, every time we wake up and we're breathing, it's a miracle. And, you know, you ask people who are in the hospital who are on, like, breathing uh, machines, you know, how much they would give for every breath that they're able to take in a natural way. They would say, I give you all my money because there's no limit to the Akar that we owe Hashem for every breath that we take. And I think that based on that, we have a little bit of an understanding of why the end of Sukhi de Zimra, what do we do at the end of Sukhi de Zimra? We say it, what? Oh, that Pasuk, what do we do? We repeat that Pasuk. Kal Haneshama Tahaloka Haluka, and then we say again, Kal Haneshama Tahaloka Haluka. Why do we repeat that Pasuk? Anyone have any idea besides for. Why do we repeat that Pasuk? Okay. One for the soul and one for the breath. One for the soul, one for the breath. I like that. That's a very good shot. Anyone else? Anyone else have a, have a good, good shot why we say 
that pasuk twice? It's not in the Tehillim, it's not written twice, it's only written once. Exactly. That's exactly right. That, I mean, I don't know if it's exactly right, but that's what I would say. That since we, it's like, a, it's like what we're trying to show from Hashem is that, listen, Hashem, we can't praise you forever and ever. We're not able to. We have to go and eat. We have to sleep. We have to go work. We have to go to school. We're busy. We can't constantly praise you. But look what we're doing. It's like, if I could keep going, I'll just keep going. I can't. But at least let me repeat it. And by repeating that last passage, we're like, we're attempting, like, desperately to show HaKadosh Baruch Hu that I don't want to stop praising you. Call Hanesham on every breath that I take, I owe you another howl, and another howl, another howl. I would just keep going. I can't. But this is really what I want to do. What I want to do is to continue and praise you constantly because that's what I owe you. Did anyone ever hear of Rabbi Victor Miller? What, what do we know about Rabbi Victor Miller? I don't know. Is he the Taurus of Victor? There you go, the Taurus Victor. I'm going to give him a look. By the way, I just want you to know, and I'll say it in front of the landsman, this group is off the charts. If in Lander College I had a group like you, I'd be a very, I'd have less gray hairs in my beard. I mean it. This is unbelievable. Like every single person in the room, you're paying attention, you're getting it, you have the answers, or you have great answers, and uh, I'm very, very impressed. And let's give a round of applause to my landsman. Okay, that's fine. Whatever, whatever gets like fine. So, Victor Miller was a great. Um, he was born in America. He uh, was a very popular speaker, but not because he went around like I'm doing and speaking to people. He was perhaps the first person in the world to in, in the terror world to utilize technology to spread Hashem's word. Now, today you could do it very easily. You have the internet, so you can put Shiram on Torah anytime. You could put Shiram on podcasts. You could put Shiram on uh, wherever you want. You, there's so many different venues today on the phone and on this. So you could, there's a million different ways of spreading Torah today. Back then, it was less easy to do. What he did was he had what was called tapes. Anyone ever see like an old-fashioned tape like it looks like, it's like a weird thing. It's like a small plastic thing, and it has, like, you can rip out uh, this, uh, whatever. It, 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 was, it was a weird thing. No, it was after VHS. I'm not that old. But, um, but that was the uh, tapes were something that was very, when I was a kid, if you wanted to buy music or you wanted to hear a sheer, you had, you had to put this, like, weird thing in a tape recorder, and you played it. A cassette. Right. So... Um, so Victor Miller started giving the shirim and taping them, and then they would sp- send these tapes out, and they would be numbered, and they would send them out to pl- communities all over the world, primarily in America. And he literally, like, single-handedly changed the face of American Jewry because he gave very, very, you know, very good shirim. He was very eloquent. He spoke very well, and he was brilliant. 
And whether it was on Jewish history, or whether it was Hashkafa, or whether it was Gemara Shirim, people were like just like ordering them and buying them and listening to them constantly. And so he really was a person that was ahead of his time in that sense. He was spreading terror throughout the entire world using technology. And Rabbi Victor Miller was very famous for many things, and now, like you said, the Torah of Victor are these like sheets, these parasha sheets that are given out and always very good lessons, very well written, and this is all from his, his Torah. So he was a Talmud of Rabbi Avram Grzynski, because what he did was, when he, he grew up in America, but then he traveled to Europe to learn in Slavatan. And he came back, and he was a, already a very great man in Tyra, and he would spread the words that he heard in Slavatka, and one of this was this very idea that I shared with you this morning, that every single word, every single breath that you take, you owe Hashem a complete howl. And he didn't just say this, but he actually lived it. You know, sometimes a person gives a speech and it sounds very good, but they're not living it necessarily. They're just saying it. But Victor Miller was a person that whatever he said, he did himself. That's, that's the mark of a great person. And he used to say that you have to really appreciate the gift of being able to breathe. You go outside today and you're able to like take a full breath and the crisp air, and we don't appreciate it very often. But sometimes if you appreciate that I could breathe fully in, I go, there's a certain pleasure to that that's indescribable if you're paying attention to it. And he said that a person has to pay attention to the gift of breathing. Every time that we breathe and we're able to think about it, you have to appreciate it. How would you, if you wanted to appreciate the gift of breath, how would you do it? What would you do to, to make it real? I didn't hear very many girls. I want to hear it from a girl. If you wanted to like, if you wanted to like really you know, bring home how powerful, how important it is to breathe, what would you do to, like, get yourself trained to do that? No. Stay tuned and understand it. That's a good idea. Any other? Um, you would motivate yourself to bring home because if you did not, if you were not able to breathe, then you would not be able to pursue So you would, so what are you saying? You would motivate yourself? Okay. I would just breathe because the fact that I can breathe is one way of understanding that what I'm able to do. Good. Okay, so so okay, one more. Breathe deeply and so yeah, you focus more on it. Breathe deeply. But Victor Miller said, let me tell you what he did. Let me not tell you what he said. One time his daughter came into her father's house. She was already married, I believe. She came home and she saw a very strange sight. Her father, this great rabbi, had filled up the kitchen sink. Don't try this at home. But filled up this, the kitchen sink with water. So basically it was like a big basin of water. And 
There was no one home. He was doing this just between him and himself. He didn't know his daughter was coming home. And what he did was he stuck his head into that sink full of water, and he would just keep his head in that water until he couldn't stay down anymore, until he needed to breathe. And then he came up and he breathed. And then he did it again. He dunked his head again in water until he couldn't breathe. And then he came up and he breathed. And his daughter was like, what are you doing? Tati, enough. What do you, stop. What are you doing? And he said that, I didn't feel so much this morning the appreciation for the gift of breathing. And I guess what you suggested, saying to him, motivating yourself, it wasn't doing it for me. So what I did was I wanted to see how much I rely on HaKadosh Baruch Hu to breathe. And so I stuck my head in this water until I couldn't, I couldn't stay down anymore. And then when I came up, I said, Baruch Hashem, I was able to breathe. I have the ability to breathe. And when, when I was able to do that, that brought home this lesson of that every single breath that we take, we have to really appreciate how great Hashem is. It's something that, you know, we have to understand that it doesn't, there are people, I remember during COVID, how many people were suffering, they were not able to be at home, they had to be taken to the hospital, they were on respirators and breathing, too. it was terrible. Many people, Lailenu, did not make it through COVID because of these respiratory issues, these breathing issues. And so when we're young and we're healthy and we're able to breathe and we're not attached to any tubes or any machines, this is a time that we have to really say to Hashem, thank you. Because when we could say thank you to Hashem, then Hashem gives us the continuation of being able to breathe. That's the trick to life. That's why like the, the Sefer HaChinuch, a great, one of the great Svarim writes about benching, that when we bench and we have kavan when we bench, that's a way that Hashem, that's a way to guarantee that we'll always have food. How do you guarantee that you always have food? When you show Hashem that you appreciate the food that He gives you, then Hashem is saying, okay, I'm going to give you food forever because I see that you're so grateful. And so if we want to have breath, if we want to have the most basic gift of human life, the ability to breathe, we have to thank Hashem for our breath. And every single day, hopefully we'll remember this by Pesukah de Zimra, as we end Pesukah de Zimra with Kal HaNeshamat and then we'll repeat it, Kal HaNeshamat HaLaka and we, we desperately try to keep praising Hashem for every breath that we take. And then when we think about Rabbi Victor Miller and how he would stick his head in a sink in order to appreciate the gift of breathing, all of these are ways that we can remember how great Hashem is, how much we have to appreciate every little thing Hashem gives us in life, down to the very breath that we breathe constantly. Never take advantage of it, never take it for granted. Always understand that it's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and that we have to have endless HaKar Satayv Hashem. That's what life is all about, just to appreciate Hashem. Tayv Lahaydes Hashem. It's good to appreciate Hashem. And the more we appreciate him, the more he's going to appreciate us, and he's going to give us what we need. He's going to give us health. He's going to give us happiness. He's going to give us success in whatever we need it, whether it's in school or later in life. 
with marriage, with having our own children, with having parnasah, having livelihood. At every stage of life, we have to appreciate him and thank him. And that's the trick to being able to not only be a good Jew, but to have a wonderful, close relationship with Hashem. Imagine uh, the difference between a parent that has a child that every single thing you give that child, they say thank you and they mean it, versus a child that just takes it and never says thank you. Who does a parent want to give? Which child does a parent really want to give to? The child that what? Says thank you. Because I know that you appreciate everything that, that I see that we're connecting. You appreciate, I'm giving you and you're taking. And so, and you're taking and you're appreciating what you're, what you're taking. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu operates in a similar way. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives to everybody. He provides sustenance. For, but who does he want to give to? Who does he really love giving to? The people that love him for giving to them. I'll tell you a story. We'll end with this, that there was a, a grandmother who was telling her life story to all of her grandchildren. She had a whole group of grandchildren. They came to her for Shabbos. And they were all sitting around her and they wanted to hear her life story. And she had a very dramatic story. She survived the Holocaust and there were, you know, her, her family, many of them didn't make it and she had to run away and she had to hide. And she had, to, she had a very, very interesting life story. And all the grandchildren were sitting on the edge of their seats you know, wanting to hear more and more. But there was one granddaughter that was there, and as she was telling her story, and, and much of the story was very sad, there was a tear that fell down the cheek of this granddaughter. The other children were just interested in the story, but there was this one granddaughter that actually cared enough and was, um, you know, relating to her grandmother so much that she actually was, was, was brought to a tears. The grandmother died a few months later, and she left a will to her children, her grandchildren. First, she told them about what they, she wants from them, you know, how they should live their lives, etc. And then she left to her children and grandchildren money. She was apparently a wealthy woman, and she gave all the grandchildren the same amount of inheritance. But this one granddaughter that and shed not so many tears, just a single tear. She gave her $25,000 more than the other children, the other grandchildren. And she writes in the will that the reason why I gave her extra is because she cried when I told the story. You all listened, but she cried. That's the value of being able to really go that extra step and appreciate something more than everybody else. Everybody breathes. And we all say, but the people that actually, when they say it, are thinking to Hashem, wow, thank you so much for the ability to breathe. I, I, I can't believe that I'm so lucky that I'm able to do this. And it's all because of you, Hashem. Hashem has a special love for such a person. And so we could all very easily just have, we don't have to do this every single minute of the day, but once in a while, maybe once a day, if we just be able to, as we're breathing in, when, we're, when we have an opportunity, whether it's when we go outside later and it's a little cold and we're able to breathe, or it's a beautiful sunny day, and we're, we're, or it's a classroom, or we're, we have air conditioning in the, in the summer, or we have some heat in the winter, and we're able to realize that it's not a given at that point 
we're able to say to Hashem, thank you for this gift. And when we do that, don't be surprised if all of the gifts of the world are ours, because HaKadosh Baruch loves when we have that extra appreciation for the gifts that he gives us. Thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful day.